0: Good morning. How are you? Everybody good? So I want to tell you, at the end of our last service, I had someone come up and share with me a story that was really cool. The sermon bumper that we just watched, the little video, has some clips and some pictures from our heritage as a church going all the way back to 1930. And if you go into the great room and you haven't taken a moment to take a look yet, our wall, our timeline is kind of plastered along the wall and you could see that there and it encouraged me and, I, and I'll get to the, why it encouraged me but let me tell you the story first one of our church members uh, skipped church last Sunday we're still praying for that but anyway they went to a flea market in Bryson City in the mountains and encountered a conversation talked to someone who was an older gentleman and began to just kind of small talk well it it came up this person steered the conversation as they try to typically do toward ministry toward Christian or non or church or to kind of share the gospel and this old gentleman said that he was a believer and began to share with her the story of how he came to faith or how he experienced God so In 1930, he was married to a a woman who his wife had a back issue and was completely pained by this, couldn't move around very good. So this lady decided that she was going to go to a tent meeting in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is the foundation upon which Greater Life Church is built. She went to this tent meeting and received a supernatural healing in her body, which led to them becoming a part of the ministry, which so many years later, this guy is in Bryson City, testifying to God's healing power that happened Decades and decades and decades ago in his own family's life. The heritage is deep and we build upon it with great joy and excitement for the days ahead. That's our church's story. But there is so many others and so many countless stories of what the power of the Holy Spirit can do we find ourselves at the end of our series which frankly a lot of times this is my favorite series to preach the the Holy Spirit series it takes on different themes and different looks but the month of May we typically preach a series on the Holy Spirit and and this power today the topic is one power And and as I pray for people, I always try to ask God to to heal or to do something special in someone's life. And I I try to say to the Lord that if you'll do this, then I promise that we will not forget to say thanks. Guys, one of the things that we as Christians and believers, sometimes we pray for something fervently and then God doesn't. We forget we even prayed about it and we just kind of, oh, that was nice and convenient. So I don't want to miss the opportunity to give you a couple of testimonies if I may before I begin our message today. It was shared with me that a woman ministered by our prayer team in the past two weeks at the altar was completely delivered from alcoholism and is free today. Last Sunday I felt During worship, uh, I walked up here as I I sometimes do, and and there was a word that God gave me for the people that were there that day. And and last Sunday, I shared that uh, the Lord showed me that there's someone in here struggling with depression, and it's it's so tangible, and it's so real. It's like I I see a demon on your back. And if you'll just believe that God will free you, I'm going to pray right now, and you're going to be free. And and we went into prayer, and, and I got an email literally this morning. Uh, from a lady in our church that said, the moment you said that, I saw in my mind, I saw spiritually that there was a demon and it was, it was on my back and it was black and had white claws that were dug into my shoulders and the moment you prayed, I saw it disappear. And so she is depression-free over the past week. Thank God for that. We serve a God who is alive and well. And the power of the Holy Spirit is present in the church today. Today, one power is where we'll go. The whole month, we've talked about one spirit. I hope if you'll allow me to share what God's laid on my heart, and he typically teaches me things before I ever come up here and teach them to whoever's in front of me. And there were many, many, many weeks where God had to deal with me and and bring me along in a topic or in, in, in in a sermon. So I had to learn the lesson just so you know before I bring it to you. So I'm bringing this message to you from some new experiences and some new teaching that came from the Holy Spirit this past week as I was digging in. And I really believe for... For you that are in the house today, which by the way, on Memorial Day weekend, you realize if you come to church, you get two Sundays credit. So God bless you. Fourth of July, the same thing applies. Two Sundays credit on that weekend. I'm so excited to share with you what God has been showing me. Pray with me before we begin. Lord Jesus, have your way. Holy Spirit, steer my words. May there not be any confusion, but God, may there be a challenge in the house, a challenge for us to draw in closer to you. Lord, to put our sinful nature in the rearview mirror, pressing towards what you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, teaching one day, talked about a strong man He used this analogy of a strong man who was in the house, who had taken up residence, and there was only one thing that could remove the strong man from the house, and that was someone stronger. And as he was using this illustration, Jesus was setting the stage that it is to be known that the strong man is a picture of Satan that has taken up residence within humanity, our sinful nature. But there is one now who has come as Jesus was there who is stronger than the strong man and can not only remove him but can free you completely from the bondage that you may have found yourself in. And Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so there is a staying power that keeps us free. It may be a bold statement, but I can tell you for the person that has the knowledge of the salvation of Jesus Christ, for the person that has decided to follow Jesus, the only thing that is keeping them in bondage is their own decisions to stay there. That may be heavy, but it needs to be said. Because my God says you are to be free. Now, there may be a process to get there, a process of deliverance and discipleship, but my God did not save you to leave you in bondage. Why in the world would you save a prisoner and leave him in the jail cell? Jesus has come to set the captives free. And he said in John, you are free because of me. You are free indeed, amen? I think of the strong man and how there must be something stronger, and I give this illustration. Growing up, we would go to the beach as a family and loved to swim in the ocean as a kid. We were four boys in my, in my family. My mom and my dad had different roles when we were little. My father's was to take us out and swim in the ocean. My mother's was to sit on the beach and yell. So we learned how to swim in the ocean and dad would take us out there and we learned that there's something called an undertow. The undertow to me did not sound that scary at first glance, but then my mother would talk to us and let us know what the undertow was all about. And as she would describe what the current in the undertow would do, it didn't sound like water to me. It sounded more like a beast that would come and grab you by the feet and drag you into the middle of the ocean. Nevertheless, I was a boy, and that didn't scare me at all. I thought that might be fun. Which, by the way, as I'm out there with my dad, I'm invincible. My dad's here. So dad would take us out into the ocean and, and we'd be out there and we may be chest deep when the waves would come in and that's when mom would see us and say, come in, you need to come in. What are you doing? What's the matter with you? But then when the wave would go out and we were ankle deep and we're like, mom, look, we're fine. And we used to take great joy in riding the waves. If you know what I'm talking about, the waves would come in, you kind of ride up and then you fall back down, ride up. Dad taught us how to do all that. And just as any typical dad would do, he would lay on his back in the ocean. And none of us knew how to do it. We would try to do it. And he would just lay there and go on the waves as we desperately tried to breathe out there in the deep with him. But I think about the undertow and you learn that if someone is caught in the undertow, then it really does drag you out. You you are now out of control. Why? Because you can't stand and, and it's too deep for you and you're caught in this current. But there is only one thing that can save you from that current and it is something external and it is something stronger than the current itself. Because after you're in it, you can't get out of it on your own. Are you with me? Somebody has to intervene or else you're lost forever. The lifeguard, the dad, the floaty, whatever the case may be, something has to happen that's stronger than the current to free you from that current. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the power that's greater than the power that binds you. You see, for the believer, we can walk in freedom and in wholeness because there's nothing that can grab us and drag us off because we are filled with the Holy Spirit. The one power that can break every bondage that you may have, the one power that can break every sinful habit and addiction that you may be walking in is the power that is the Holy Spirit. I think of gravity or tornadoes or different things like this, that, that there is just laws of nature that overwhelm and that just happen to you. Uh, The the, the term sinful nature is kind of like that. It is something that just kind of happens to you. It's part of the human condition now. It's the curse that we walk in because of the sin, the original sin that happened in the Garden of Eden. But we do not have to stay there. It may be a sinful nature that happens in our lives. It may be something that that we feel like we're kind of leaning towards, but at the end of the day, beloved, I'm telling you, you don't have to stay there. There is a power that can set you free. I need to put to bed some things if I can, some misconceptions and some misunderstandings. And this is something that God was teaching me over this past week. As we talk about the Holy Spirit, I preached last week on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We had a worship night and we had incredible, an incredible time in the presence of God. It was awesome. And then I talked a lot about tongues and I brought that up and we talked about what the, the gift of tongues is like and what does that look like and what scriptures say about it. And sometimes Pentecostal preachers find themselves in a place that in preaching something positive, they make someone feel Negative. So let me just rebuke that if I can. That's an old Pentecostal word. We're going King James on you. Hear me. The Apostle Paul writes a letter to the Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church, just so you know, was was more Pentecostal than any Pentecostal church that you've ever been to. I believe that is where the chandelier swinging started in the Corinthian church. If they had pews, they were running on the tops of them. I'm telling you, the Corinthians, this is what my mind pictures. The Corinthians, all of them had the gift of healing. All of them had the gift of tongues. All of them had these special power gifts that we call miracles. And they were walking through the streets and just you know, tearing down strongholds and setting people. That's what I picture when I picture the Corinthian church. But did you also know that the Corinthian church had all kinds of problems? (laughs) Paul had to take a a few extra chapters with the Corinthians. But he writes in the Corinthian to the Corinthian church that I wish all of you would speak in tongues. And, and I have myself preached that what Paul is saying that you guys just need to do it. But I got a rebuke this past week. Because I, what I believe Paul is really saying is that, hey, I wish all of you would speak in tongues, but what he's not saying is that there's people in the Corinthian church that aren't speaking in tongues. Hear me. They're in the Corinthian church, spirit-filled. They're a part of that body of Christ, seeing miracles, signs, wonders, and doing great, mighty things for the kingdom of God, but there are some that are there that don't speak in tongues. Are they any less than the ones that do? No. Hear my heart. It's a lie. From the pit of hell, that if you somehow some way have not spoken in tongues, you must be less than someone who has. Put it to bed. You see, because Paul follows up that, I, don't seek the tongues. Seek to prophesy, because people can understand that, and it will encourage them. Seek the other gifts. And Paul is laying this out in a such a beautiful way that don't feel alienated, don't feel bad. I wish all of you would speak in tongues, but here's what you guys can see and do in your ministry life. He, he writes about the body of Christ. He writes about the gifts in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is this one's a hand, this one's a foot. And he says, all of you have a role and a part to play in the body of Christ. I feel like this is for somebody today. He, he starts talking about these parts of the body that are hidden, that, that that are covered, that they're private. And it doesn't take long to understand what Paul is saying. That these parts are set aside and they're private. They're not really seen like some of the other parts of the body yet, they're incredibly important. And the parts of the body, friends, that he's talking about are the parts that are for reproduction. So as we talk about the gifts of preaching and teaching and healing and miracles, what Paul is saying is the parts that bring reproduction are the ones that don't nobody see all the time. (laughs) Somebody needs this. As soon as you feel like you don't have an important role to play, I'm gonna tell you right now, the parts of the body that are used on this platform that everybody sees, the eyes, the ears, all those kinds of things, those parts of the body of Christ that are up here are for the building up of the body. But can I tell you the part that's being used for reproduction most is the part that happens behind the scenes that don't nobody see. You, 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 body of Christ can be used to bring souls into the kingdom. Whether you never get a microphone in your hand. Amen? Do not seek the pulpit. Seek being used for the kingdom. And if you're not doing anything for the kingdom, then what you waiting for? Well, I'm waiting to assimilate at the Greater Life Church, and, and Moises just said I need to fill out the thing, and then he'll reach out to me. He'll tell me how to become a part of the community. I'm not telling you. This is not limited to Sunday, Wednesday. What are you gonna do this week for the sake of the kingdom? That's still the body of Christ, Amen. I just want to encourage you today that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, when we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, we're not limiting it to these things that happen in evangelistic revival meetings. The power of the Holy Spirit can be evident in your life on Monday morning because somehow you have the joy of the Lord that gives you strength when everybody else hates to be at work. The gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit can be evident in your life when something happens and the news says, oh my goodness, there was another shooting and you have a peace that passes understanding and everybody else is in complete disarray on what's happening to the world. Amen? I want to talk to you today, if I can, about this one power and what is it for? Number one on your note sheet, the power to live. The power to live. Romans chapter 8, and verse 1, we begin. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. If I had time, I would unpack this word no. But it means no. In every language that the scriptures is written in, and even most language today, it's just a little bit different accent. Are you with me? No. It's universal. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus So if you're a believer and you're a follower of Christ, then you should not walk around feeling like you're still condemned. Here's the thing. What it doesn't say is that there is condemnation, but it's not for the believer, it's for the unbeliever. The unbeliever is condemned to hell, period. I'm not being mean. I'm just saying if you haven't received the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then your destiny is Death, hell and the grave and the eternal lake of fire. thats what scripture says. But God, God doesn't want any man to perish. It's God's heart that all men will be saved. So I'm not telling you that to scare you, I'm telling them that to bring you to Jesus. Now there's a different word called conviction that's out there. On your note sheet, you power to live, live free of condemnation. But there's a different word called conviction that's out there and I don't want you to misunderstand. Conviction is something that comes from the Holy Spirit to help you guide your spiritual walk. Conviction is something that should draw you in. I used to be uh, frustrated at times that, that, that people didn't want to come to church and, and then I, they would disappear and I'd be like, oh my goodness, where did they go? And one day my, my wife told me, Kelly was telling me, that, encouraging me that well, Maybe they don't come because they're not ready to make a change. They, they don't want to feel convicted. And so until they're ready to make a change, which was our hope and our prayer. But at the end of the day, conviction is of God. The Holy Spirit says, stop it. Stop it. Don't do that again. Oh, you did. Stop it. Right? There's a conviction that comes to the believer from the Holy Spirit, not for the sake of condemnation, but for the sake of correction. to live. Verse 2 says, and because you belong to him, the powers of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Hallelujah. The law of Moses was unable to save you because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Power to live, live free of condemnation and live free from the power of sin. The believer does not have the opportunity to say the devil made me do it. The devil cannot make you do anything. When you are free in Christ, the devil cannot make you do anything. Your sin should not have power over your life anymore. Now, those who aren't in Christ, certainly we believe that Satan is busy in today's world manipulating, using, possessing, steering people to do evil all over the world. However, the believer does not have that excuse. Scripture tells us that when we are alive in Christ, when we receive the Lord Jesus, the powers of the life-giving Spirit frees us from all that nonsense. Power to live. Verse five through eight, free of hostility with God. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Hear me? That's pretty straightforward. If you're under the control of your sinful nature and you're wrapped up in some nonsense and habits and addictions and all these kind of things, pastor, I don't know what to do, come see me. We got programs, we got got ministries, we've got prayer teams, we, we can get you free. But if you're just living in it, well, this is who I am. No, that is not who you are. You are accepting the lie that the enemy wants you to believe. You can be free because the power of the Holy Spirit is greater than the thing that's binding you. I feel like sometimes believers have just accepted a tumultuous life. A life that has no peace. We don't have to live that way. Yes, sure we'll have struggles. Yes, sure we'll have trials. Sure we'll face things. But man, it's so much better walking in the power of the Spirit. And when we have struggles, we know Jesus is right here with me. Do not have to face it alone. And by the way, your church family's walking it through with you too. Amen? Like I don't know what that's like. Then jump in. I had a young man who is now a church planter, he's launching a new church that was a part of our ministry for a number of years. Which by the way, it's a good thing to graduate them out and send them on in blessing, amen? Anyway, he's planning a church and I remember the first conversation I had with him, he said, I don't know man, I'm, I'm a part of this or I don't know if I wanna be a part of the church or I don't know, you know, I, I really just need somebody in my life just to kinda of help me walk through this and, and, uh, and I was standing there and I put my arm around him, I said, I said I'm right here. I said, come right here, stay right here. And then I said, it don't stink that bad under here. You can stay right here. I mean, I'm just, that's who I am, you know. me. And he still reminds me of that this day. But I'm telling you, I'm a broken guy that God chose to use. I want to serve you I'm looking around at all these precious faces I want to serve you I want to be poured out like a drink offering before the Lord I want to be spent in this life for the sake of the kingdom so can I just invite you come on in here let Greater Life Church, let Andrew, let me, let us put our arm around you and walk it out. Amen? And I just need to take a commercial break for a moment. I need to brag on you. Church family, can I brag on you? One of the testimonies, we celebrate testimonies of miracles, but sometimes it don't need to be a miracle. One of the testimonies that we had in our, in our meeting, in our staff meeting this past week, is there was a new family that came to the church and they just simply said, you know what, we have loved this experience because people actually talk to us. <laughs> I was like, wow! Number one, that that's even a thing that they had to recognize in the body of Christ that was special, it's a little sad, but thank you for being you and just loving people. Number two, the power for purity. Far too often the church settles with whatever we can get. Well, they're just that way. Well, you know, just society. Well, you know, the state of the world today, I refuse to accept that. I refuse to compromise I refuse to lower a standard because the standard has not been dropped to us. We must rise to it. What does that mean? That means that none of us will ever rise to that standard. That's why Jesus had to come down. Save us. But when we're in Christ, we should not live like we're out of him, like we're not filled with the Spirit. That's where the disconnect happens. We come to Jesus Christ. Lord, save me from my sin. Free me from my pain. And he does something in a moment. And then we go back home and pick up the very thing we just prayed for freedom from. By our own volition. Why? Because it's comfortable. The scripture says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a man returns to his sin. So tired of the church being powerless because we're so impure and settled with a standard that's so low. I'll put it to you this way. If during the California gold rush, they would go and, and, and find gold in mountains and rivers, and when they would find a, a big rock that had gold in it, the rock had gold in it, but they would not measure the rock. They would have to clean it and purify it to find the gold because the gold was the thing that was pure and that was valuable and that was powerful enough because of how much value it had to do something significant for that gold miner. The rock itself was full of garbage impurities. So there was a process of becoming pure and then when it was in its purest state, it was this most effective state as gold that it could be used for great things. So church, the power of the Holy Spirit is a power for purity the removing of the things that don't belong so you can be used in a great and mighty way for the kingdom of God. Ephesians 5, 1 through 20 lays it out for us. First of all, pure in relationships. Verse one says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Verse three, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. I need to unpack the word no again. You with me? Let me see if you're with me on this one. What does the word no in this context mean? You guys, I tell you. Y'all know you're Greek and all that. No sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Interestingly enough, greed is put in this list. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, or coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, there, let there be thankfulness to God, which brings me to my second part, pure in speech. If people are shocked that you go to church or you have even have, have faith or you're a believer because you do not talk like you, you are, then stop from a pastor to your ears. Don't be weird. And when people cuss around you, oh. My ears, I haven't heard that word in many years. Knowing you just watched a movie where it was, we'll talk about that on another day. But can we just manage our speech with a little bit of intentionality so people can kind of start to tell the difference a little bit? Hey, I notice you never cuss like the rest of us, you never talk to women at the workplace like the rest of us. Well, I'm married, first of all, but the second thing is I'm a believer. Can we be different? It's not high school anymore. You don't have to fit in. And if you're in here and you're in high school, you still don't have to fit in. Be different for the sake of the kingdom. Amen. 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 Pure in speech. Verse 5. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. It doesn't happen. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. I'll clarify a couple things. First of all, Moses did a great job talking about giving and how it it blesses us to give. God is a generous God, he gave his son. Wanna be like God? Give something. want to be like Satan hang on to everything you see because Satan is in the is in the uh, is in the career field of being a thief and stealing everything he can someone asked me on Wednesday night in our Bible study if Satan knows he's going to lose then why does he keep fighting because Satan knows scripture he knows the end he knows it's coming Right, we know that. Well, he's fighting because every soul he can rob is one less soul that God can save. So he fights because he's greedy. He wants as much as he can take away from God. Greed, said here, is an idolater, somebody who has put money, stuff, even time, whatever it might be. If it's more important than what God has called you to, then it's in the wrong spot. Pure in action. Verse 10. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. Not anymore. I'll read it again so you get it. It is shameful to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. Not anymore. Which, by the way, is a sign of the end of time. That society will begin to celebrate sin and call what's evil holy and call what's holy evil. And what are we to do as believers? Hide in a cave somewhere? No, we are to look up. (laughs) Because Jesus is coming soon, amen? <laughs> Verse 13, but their evil intention will be exposed when light shines on them. Power for purity brings us to pure inaction. It's not enough for you to have the right intentions. You've gotta have the right actions. You've gotta have pure inaction. You've gotta walk your life out in such a way that the kingdom is of God is impacted. I have have the best intentions, pastor. I I intend to to give to missions. I intend to attend services. I intend to to be a good husband and a good wife or a good father or a good mother. I intend to do these things. I intend to pray. I intend to read the Word of God. I intend. It none of, it matters. We, we, We just saw this past week that the Police may have intended to protect those kids, but they didn't. Can I tell you, in the spiritual warfare that we are facing, there is someone always in there and we have to run in in the power of the spirit for the sake of saving souls for the kingdom of God. Amen? We have got to stop waiting for someone else to do it the time is now it is our turn finally verse 15 pure in mission so be careful how you live don't live like fools but like those who are wise make the most of every opportunity in these evil days don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the Lord wants you to do Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. And anybody that's ever struggled with that knows that that is true. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What is the solution to being drunk with wine? What is the thing that fills in? It's being full of the Holy Spirit. You won't need it anymore. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In closing, I'd like to tell you a story. Today, I heard a story, so you get the advantage of hearing this. The first service, I I heard it in between. There's a little seven-year-old boy in our church who's been doing the work of the kingdom at his class in his school. Goes to public school. And in Royal Rangers, they've been talking about salvation? Our Royal Ranger leaders on Wednesday night, it's our boys' class. He's he's been talking about hell as a real place. You don't want to go there. They've been been going through some spiritual stuff on Wednesday night, which by the way, that's right. That's what we should be talking about to our children. Scripture says that tell them, talk to them about these these words, this law every day. So he's learned about this and he's taken that truth to school with him. So he's told all 20 kids in his class, you need to give your heart to Jesus or you're gonna go to hell. (laughs) So the mom gets the call, ring, ring, ring. Hey, um yeah well first before I talk to you about what's going on uh, are you are you a believer are you a Christian yes yes I am me too so this makes it a little easier and not as less awkward your your boy has got these kids scared (laughs) by the way condemnation is for the unbeliever not for the believer right and she said, so just so you know, I, I didn't fuss at him. I just said, okay, you know, the, thank you for sharing this with the kids. And, 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 and I told the, the kids that were complaining, I said, well, just go home and ask your parents about it. Because the teacher's not allowed to talk about it. Public school, you know that, right? They took this thing in the, was it, the 60s and threw it out. Which by the way, if you ever do a study on how far our schools have come, it lines up with when they took the word of God out. Anyway. This little kid is telling these kids, but here's the, here's the beauty of all this. He planted 20 seeds in the lives of seven year olds. And they went home, mom, dad, I learned today I'm gonna go to hell unless I accept Jesus in my heart. <laughs> and can you just picture mom and dad going, what? They could have a, all kinds of types of reaction, but maybe, maybe it's a seed that's planted in their heart too. So the 20 becomes 60. And what if we were to take that type of conviction and share our faith with people? He uh, he just knew, all he knew, listen, you don't accept Jesus, you're going to hell. He shared what he knew. That's all he knew. Don't tell me you can't. What is the reason for the power of the Spirit? I boiled it down to one thing. For the sake of the kingdom and the body of Christ, the church, it it has all kinds of different applications. But what is the application for the believer when they leave this building? In Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, verse 44, Jesus has appeared to the disciples. He's given them some final instructions. And he says, when I was with you before I told you that everything was written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, I was, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that the message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. Stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. The Gospel of Luke was written by Luke. He also wrote the book of Acts. Many believe that the book of Acts is like a volume two of the Gospel of Luke. And in Acts chapter one, verse eight, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. This kid walked into his class in the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness. What are we doing? How can we be a witness? Well, first of all, as we talked about today, it's power to live, to live our lives in such a way where the gospel, where the life change is evident. It's power for purity, to be living our lives also in such a way with our mouths, our actions, the way we think, to be in a pure place so God can use us in a powerful way. And finally, all of those things bring us to a place where we can open our mouth and be a witness let me just share. Some people say, "Let your life be a witness." Okay, we talked about that, but I'm also saying, "Open your mouth." People need Jesus. Can I make a confession to you? When I go to, I went to the hospital to visit Pastor Mike, who uh, had hernia, hernia surgery. He's doing great, by the way. He's home. But I went to visit Pastor Mike and can I I make a confession? I I was in the elevator with someone and they let out this big sigh. And normally, man, that's my opportunity. Can I pray for you? What's going on? Can I tell you I didn't say anything? I ain't here for them. I'm here to see Mike. I'm just dropping these bagels off and I got to go. I've asked for forgiveness for the Lord. Lord, I might have missed an opportunity. God forgave me. I ain't walking up here guilty and there's no condemnation. Hey, but I did get convicted and the Holy Spirit said, you missed that one. So before you think I'm standing up here saying I never make a mistake, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm encouraging you. Listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Let Him guide you. Let Him give you an opportunity to be a witness this week, amen? Would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, have your way in this house today. Thank you so much for what you've done. I pray, God, that we would stand on this one power, that we would experience life change. And Lord, if there's any in here that, that find themselves behind the curve in a sense, Lord, they, they feel like they're still dealing with the same issues over and over again, I pray. I pray, God, that they would take that step to seek freedom. Lord, that they would know that we're here. We're here to help. At some point, God, it becomes our choice that we decide to not be in bondage anymore, but to walk in the freedom that you give us. And Lord, we know that that's a process sometimes, but we trust you with that. Lord, I pray that you would open a door of opportunity this week for the people in this room. It's even scary to pray that for some. But show us an opportunity to be a witness for the sake of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.